Uh, we're excited. So Michael, who briefly uh, led a portion of the end there, uh, he'll be leading next week. So we're honored to have he and Kendra here today. They're not in the, in the room at the moment, uh, but definitely dear people of our family, of this house. And uh, so excited to have them in for the holidays and them to lead uh, next week for him to lead. So anyway, a lot of fun things. So um, what time is service next week? 10 o'clock. So if you come at 9, you're going to get to hang out with the worship band and, and, uh, and practice for a little while. If you come at 11, uh, you're going to miss worship but get preaching. So uh, just come at 10. You'll, you'll be right on time. All right. And other thing is Christmas Eve is this uh, Christmas Eve at 8 p.m. It's usually a one-hour service. We have refreshments and cookies and fun things. So uh, make it a family tradition. I know my kids and family love it. Uh, so, and then we always pose in front of the Christmas tree, and it's always one of those things. Hadassah, quit crying. Smile. Click, right? That's the one that goes on Instagram. But then sometimes it's the ones, like, leading up to that moment. Anybody else try to get, kid, like, pictures with your kids? It's, it's really entertaining. Okay, so we're on a series, and um, Josh spoke last week. Nicole and I had the privilege of being in northern Columbus, speaking at a really wonderful church there. And um, so Josh took on what he said was the, uh, the short end of the deal of, of the, the acronym we're using here for our series, HOPE. So first week I touched on hope and how unto us, like right, really God, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us, right? And unto us a child was born. Unto us a child is born. And uh, so anyway, unto our situation, unto us, unto our circumstances, unto our nation, unto the world right now, a child was born for all of humanity, for all problems, for all issues, and he promises that his grace is sufficient, right? And then last week Josh got obedience. And what an amazing job he did tying in Mary and Joseph to obedience and uh, just a wonderful sermon. So I appreciated it and loved it. Then today we're going to do presence and presence. All right. So I just need you with me. Just kind of like, just like, just go presence and presence and presence and presence. Just say that with me. Presence and presence and presence and presence and presence and presence. It's kind of like a rhythm to it. All right. So, and then next week we're going to do uh, God is Everything. So we're going to end with the E on everything. So, um, so I want to just go back to the Christmas story. And we're going to be in Luke and Matthew, the beginning of Luke, beginning of Matthew. And there's two depictions here. Luke, Luke brings in the shepherds, okay? And Matthew brings in the wise men. And it's kind of interesting that uh, we need to get with, like, the, the manger-making people, like the companies that make mangers, because it's really amazing that the mag magi or the wise men are usually in the manger scene when really they didn't find Jesus till he was probably a toddler somewhere between two and three years old uh, because he was a child in a house, but yet we know that he was born in a manger, right? So the shepherds uh, were first. So let's go to Luke 2, 7 through 20. And uh, just going to depict some of this and go through this and then talk about, let's do it again, presence and presence and presence and presence. At home, if you're home, presence and presence and presence. Okay. Luke 2, 7 through 20 says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Everybody say, Jesus has a present for me. And laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the end. In verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, I don't know about you, but many times in the Bible when, like, Jesus appears, or somebody walks through a wall, or, or like, something, an angel shows up, right? Uh, 
how many of you, if an angel just visibly, physically showed up to you in a great cloud or something, would be a little freaked out? Like a little, little, little awestruck. I would be. One time I ran into Reinhard Bunky, all right? And like, he, I'm, the elevator door's opening, there's Reinhard Bunky waiting to get on the elevator. And even Reinhard Bunky, I'm like, I froze. I was like, I could have said, can you pray impartation? Like, if you don't know Reinhard Bunky, you need to look him up. Amazing man of God. So anyway, an angel shows up, and just like Jesus, like, like when Jesus would show up in these really peculiar places, he'd be like, peace be with you. Well, that's because you're freaking out. So the same thing kind of happens. It says, and the angel said to them, fear not. <laughs> it's okay. And he says, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy. Everybody shout out, great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Everybody say, Jesus has a present for me. And laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which was the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, I want to take note how they left. The shepherds left. After they encounter Jesus, they meet Jesus, and they left glorifying and praising God for all they had seen. I don't know about you, but when I see something good that the Lord's done, I want to brag about it. I want to tell everybody, I leave differently, right? I leave with this joy. I leave with this expectation and this, this zeal, right? So then we go to, everybody say, Jesus has a present for me. Let's go to Matthew 2, 1 through 12. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes and all the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Verse 5, then he told them, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. Verse 6, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who, is, who will shepherd the people from Israel. Verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Everybody getting the picture here? Everybody say, great joy. And going into the house. Now remember, they found the child in the house. How many know that Jesus was born in a manger? So they found the young child, probably a toddler, in the house. And it says, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream... Not to return to Herod. They departed their own country 
by another way. All right, let, let, me, let me highlight just a few things. Okay, first off, when you encounter Jesus and you, you come into his presence, all of a sudden something happens where we want to glorify him with great joy, right? We want to pray something in our demeanor changes. And the other thing is when we meet Jesus and we see Jesus and we have this encounter with Jesus, we never leave the same way that we came. The wise men, it says, they didn't return the same way they had got there. They, listen, Jesus transforms us in such a way that we never return the same way we came in. It's amazing. You will not leave here today the same way you came in. I don't know about you, but sometimes trying to get four little girls out of the house and trying to get here and even just try to even get here on time is a trial. It's a tribulation, all right? Five girls in the house, and they're all trying to do their hair, and especially these fancier days, it's, it's somewhat of a, of a tribulation to get here. So by the time we get here, then I'm like, what's happening? Sometimes a projector's not working. Sometimes this isn't working. Sometimes that's not working. And it's like, oh. but then all of a sudden, you see something that changes, and then we come into his presence. We come into those worship moments that we experienced here today. We come into his very nature and his love and his power, and we'll never leave the same way we came in. And this is like a micro version of our life with Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, when, when all of a sudden we receive that free gift of salvation and we receive his love or we receive baptism of the Holy Spirit or, or an encounter, of a power encounter, a love encounter, whatever it may be, all of a sudden we're totally transformed. And we, we literally think differently, we see differently, right? Well, I, I want to propose a thing is that, first off, he was drawing the shepherds into him. There's something about the light of Jesus. There's something that's so radiant about him, and he's drawing these wise men in, right? Now, the shepherds, they represented the average people of the day. They were blue-collar workers. They were hard workers. They were the average people. But yet you had the wise men or, or magi, magi that were basically astrologists. Okay, so very educated, very highly trained and skilled, and they, upper, they represented really the upper class of the time. God is calling all people unto him, all people. He doesn't discriminate. He came unto us, all of us. If you even go back to John 3, 16, for God so loved the whole world, the cosmos, everybody and everything in it. He was the creator, so obviously he loves what he created, and he came back for us. So he's gathering these people, and there is something that is so amazing. There's something so majestic about God that we, that he radiates in such a way we're lost in his wonder, and we're captivated. And all of a sudden, when we're captivated, the people around us are captivated because we're carrying a hope. We're carrying Jesus with us, and wherever we go, people are drawn to something different, right? I don't know about you, but when I had an encounter with the Lord, or, and as I continue to have encounters, people will literally say, what's different about you? What changed in you? And hopefully we're continue to be change makers, right? And hopefully we continue this, this journey with the Lord where it wasn't just one and done. Amen? We can't live on yesterday's bread just like the Israelites couldn't live on the manna. They had to throw it out and it was a fresh encounter, a fresh invitation every day. That's why it's called an infilling of the Spirit. It's continual. It's not just one thing and done. Listen, I have such a love for the Father and such a love for Him that all of a sudden everything changes and, and my conviction is that I want to please the Father and love Him. Listen, I don't want to just be scared of hell, okay? I want to please the Father. Now, now let, me, let me continue on. So here's what happens. He drew the shepherds, the average people. He drew the magi or the, the, the wise men and they left a different way than they came. Now here's what I want to take note of is, is one thing is that they came in. 
They came in with these gifts, and they came in with these presents, and they came in, but before they could ever even give them, they fell face first on the ground and worshiped Jesus. There's something in his nature that we are awestruck when we literally encounter him. And, and, and the, here's the thing. Gifts and these things are always something with a deeper meaning. Gifts and presents are always a symbol of something greater. We're giving our kids gifts this year. And isn't, isn't Jesus so fun that, that he is so great on his birthday, we get to give each other gifts and celebrate in that way? Isn't that awesome? In the same way, like these, these wives, when they came to give gifts to Jesus, but then the moment they meet him, the moment they encounter him, they are awestruck with his beauty. They are in wonder, and they are captivated by his radiance that they fall face first and just begin to worship. Listen, Jesus himself is the gift. He alone is the gift, but these gifts they were bringing, they were symbolic of something. And, and I don't know about you, but how many people in here, there's Gary Chapman talks about the love languages. And there's, I believe, five of them. Where's, where's our Josh? Where's our expert love language guy? There's five, correct? So, so one of them is, is physical touch, one's gifts, and, and there's words of affirmation, acts of service, and quality time. I got them all. That was pretty amazing. So, like, Nicole, up on top of her list is, is gifts. It's, like, gifts and then, like, everything else, and way down there is that physical touch. To me, I'm, like, way up here affirmation like affirmation physical touch and for me gifts are way down there but i love giving gifts you want to know why i love giving gifts because i like the affirmation that comes from giving a good gift so i like to love well so i like nicole to know like yeah while you were in norway you were thinking of me that's amazing thanks and and you br i brought her back this little glass succulent plant i know i couldn't bring a real plant back because it's against um faa rules okay so I get this glass, and I'm like, I think I can do it. So I wrap it in socks. I put it in my luggage. I bring it back. I look, babe, I brought you this. And I don't even think she really liked it, okay? Just to be honest, I think I found it hit. Where is she? Oh, I can say anything I want now. She's gone. She's not in the room, so. Oh, she's teaching. Here all along, I'm looking over there thinking she's over there at any rate. So I bring back this gift, all right? I don't even think she likes it, but she knew I was thinking of her. See, see, gifts always represent something else. It's just like on your wedding day, you exchange vows, you, you exchange this, and then you seal it with a ring. That ring is literally a gift to each other, but it's a symbol of the covenant that you've made that day. It's a symbol of being in love. It's a symbol of your vows to stay together forever, right? So it's the same way in some of these things. And, and, and I'll just be honest, when we counsel couples and we counsel marriage, pe married people getting ready, like premarital stuff, we're meeting, talking about the order of the service and the vows, we always tell them, we're like, hey, listen, there's going to be something that funny happens on your wedding day. Don't sweat it. And we're telling them, like, hey, everything, something happens to everyone. How many had something funny happen at your wedding? Maybe it involved a flower girl, a ring bearer, or something. Um, and if you're Zach Walkup, you may have passed out at your sister's wedding face first at the front of the altar in the wedding party. <laughs> Tease him if you want. He loves being teased, and he loves physical touch, Okay. And he loves being publicly recognized right now. These are things that Zach loves. As a friend, I know this. Just kidding. He hates his, his life right now. He just he hates this moment in time. The only thing that could be worse if I call him up here and get him on camera for all the live stream people too. So, but at any rate, something funny always happens, right? But the point is that you're focusing more on the marriage than the ceremony. The ceremony is literally, and, and the gifts that happen, and even wedding gifts, we're honoring and it's symbolic of something greater that's happening. 
So let me just go through some of these, these gifts that the Magi talked about. But first, the first week I spoke in this series, two weeks ago, I talked about the prophecies and the, the basically the statistical ability for these prophecies to come to pass. Let me just say, even for just a few of them, maybe four of the 300 to come to pass, you would have had a better luck at win, winning the Powerball and the Mega Millions last week. Ten times, Okay. So there's this statistical, scientific study that proves how real Jesus is and his, the way that he came to the earth and these 300 prophecies that took place over a 400-year period predicted is just absolutely amazing. So one of them is Isaiah 60, verse 6. It says this, Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come. Bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Again, just another reference to a prophecy, Isaiah, saying they will bring incense and bearing gold. And then it says that they will praise the Lord, right? The magi or the wise men are coming. And they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, okay? Anybody know what these things are? Some people might, some people won't. Let me give you a history lesson. So gold is what was given to kings, it was a gift presented to kings. So these magi, they're coming, these, these wise men are coming, and they're bringing these prophetic gifts. But before they can even give them, all of a sudden they are touched by the gift Jesus, and they fall at their face in worship. Many times we think we're coming in to get something or give something or receive something. And oftentimes, like, like you know, the violinist might be coming to say, I'm going to come play and, and, and fill in and, and be uh, part of the worship team today. And all of a sudden, she falls on her knees and just begins to adore the Father because he's that good. It's the same thing. But the, the, but the, the wise men are bringing these prophetic gifts, and gold is what they would bring kings. Frankincense is incense. It's a figure of what high priests offer incense to God on behalf of people. They knew that Jesus, prophetically, they knew that Jesus was going to offer incense and offer himself as a sacrifice to us, for us, to the Father. This would happen usually by a high priest on the Day of Atonement in the Holiest of Holies. The high priest would offer these sacrifices and, and these incense. And they, the wise men are recognizing Jesus is the king who's going to offer himself as a living incense for us. Last one was myrrh. Now, myrrh was an ointment oil. It's an oil that was used in the embalming process for dead bodies. Again, signifying that Jesus is the high king. He's going to give himself as a sacrifice and a holy incense for you and I. And he's going to die to make that happen, to connect us back to the Father for this eternal gift. So for me, the greatest present isn't what somebody can give me. The greatest present isn't even what I can give Nicole or somebody else or our girls. The greatest present is Jesus himself wrapped up in swaddling clothes and given to us. And we can prophetically give these things to say he is the king. He, is, he himself is the sacrifice for us. And he was put on this earth for an ultimate plan to connect us back to the Father and for eternity and also to give us his presence. Everybody say presence and presence and presence and presence. So these presents were just literally a symbol of what, what was to happen. See, listen, we had, by sin, we had been separated from the Father. And because of sin, we have been separated really from eternity except for this, this works mentality of, of the high priest. Suddenly, Jesus came to the earth to be a gift for each one of us 
to be the propitiation, to be the sacrifice. He who knew no sin took on all of our sin to be the gift for us to eternal life. That one day he would fulfill his assignment on earth, or roughly 33 years later, and die on a cross so that he could be crucified for you and me to have eternal life and life abundantly. His presence. Now let me, let me just recap John 10.10. 10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to what? Give life and life more abundantly. He came to give us eternal life, and he came to give us his presence. While we're here, his presence dwells all around us, in us, through us, among us, right? His spirit lives inside of us, and the same spirit that lives in us raised Jesus from the dead to welcome us into eternity. So let me define presence. As Webster defines it, I believe like Webster got a straight memo from heaven on this. The fact or condition of being present, the part of space within one's immediate vicinity, the neighborhood of one of superior royal rank, one that is present, the actual person or thing that is present. These are all multiple definitions. Something present of a visible or concrete nature. The bearing carriage or error of a person, especially of stately distinguishment. And last, something such as a spirit felt or believed to be present. That's presence. There's some omnis that God is described as. He's, he's on, omnipotent, which is all-powerful. He's omnipresent, which is all-present. So when all of a sudden we accept Jesus into our hearts and we accept Jesus in that free plan of salvation, all of a sudden he gives us the greatest present in eternity, salvation, and his presence. Listen, I love what Todd White say. He said, Jesus didn't just die on a cross so that you could get into heaven. He died on a cross so heaven can also get into you. It's this realm to where he's with us. He's in us. He's working through us. It's not, Jesus is not just some mystical Thing that's far off, and God's not this, this, this unapproachable God or judge. He's this beautiful thing that gets to live in us and around us, and, and all of a sudden, wherever we go, He's there. Whatever problem we're facing, He's there. Whatever tragedy that we went through or trauma, He was there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's always been there, and He always will be there. Let, let, me, let me move on here. There's a few verses that summarize some benefits of the presence, his presence, right? Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of what? Joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we go back to Luke 2.10, and it says this, I bring you good news of what? Great joy that will be for all people. So, so listen, as we're going to Psalm 16 he says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. The first week I spoke in this series, I said that, I quoted the verse, that he came to seek and save that which was lost, right? Not just who, not just the eternal salvation plan of who was lost, but also that. It could be hope's been lost, right? We talked about joy that's been lost. We talked about fun that's been lost. We talked about peace and, and that's been lost. Let me go to Exodus 33, 14. It says, and he said, my presence will go where? With you. Listen, let me, just, let me just give you a shocker here. God's presence doesn't just dwell in church in this moment of time, in this building or sanctuary. God's presence isn't just in that song or that happy place of yours. Like he is always there with you all the time. And it says that, it says, and he said, my presence will go with you. And it says, I 
Jesus says, I will give you rest. How many know that his presence is the fullness of joy and it will give us rest? So many of us were worrying. There's fear. There's so many things that have been introduced to us in 2020. And I'm here to tell you that not all of that's been bad. It may be the most challenging year many of us or you have gone through, right? But not all of it's bad. Let me just say that in some of our most challenging times are the most beautiful times of growth and dependency on the Lord. Sometimes without that tragedy, sometimes without that hardship, sometimes without that temptation or whatever that thing was this year for many of us, without that, we didn't need Jesus. In our minds, I'm just saying, we definitely need him, trust me. But sometimes we go through doing things on our own and sometimes we go through just, just getting through or riding on me, like preaching. I could easily just ride on a gift. Oh, he's funny. He can preach and he can read the word. Yeah, but where's the heart? It's these growth periods that oftentimes develop the greatness in us. It's these things that develop our faith and our trust in the Lord. Like, Lord, I can't do this without you. Lord, it takes you to bring my daughter through this surgery. Lord, it's going to take you to do this or make this change. Lord, it's going to take you to get us through this year. Lord, it's going to take you to get us through this election, to get us through this pandemic. I'm not going any political thing or vaccine or no vaccine, but let me just say my dependency is not on a political party, a political candidate, or a vaccine. It's on Jesus. I'm not saying I'm for or against. You can ask me privately. I'll, I'll tell you everything that I feel. But my trust is in him. I'm not one of these people that just want to fast forward through 2020 to get to 2021 and forget that 2020 ever happened, when in me personally may have been my greatest growth here ever. May have been the greatest source to humility ever for me. May have been the greatest source to digging in and rooting and being rooted and grounded in God's love. Maybe greatest dependency I've ever needed, how to lead a church and how to lead a fire department, how to lead different areas of my life through a pandemic, through racial uh, reconciliation, through all of these things that have been happening around us. It's been challenging and trying, but guess what? That's the thing that builds us. But in all of that was his presence. And all of that was God in us, among us, God with us. Unto us a child was born. Let me finish it up with Acts 3. The band, the band can come. Acts 3, 20 and 21. Let me hydrate to finish here right before I get to the first closing. I did something different this week, but I've already said like 90% of it. I wrote out points on a closing today. And I'm like, because I knew like maybe I'd just be on track today. And I was like, if I write some points down on the closing, maybe I won't do five closings, maybe just one. We'll see how this goes, but I think I've said, like, the majority of it. I make notes just to kind of, like, give me some parameters, but I never stay in them. And then by the time I get to the end, you'll see me do these long pauses. It's like, oh, crap, I said all of that. We'll see if I get to that point. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that may, he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. I want to tie in this verse because first off, it's tying in the presence. All right, the presence and presence and presence. But the other thing is it's connecting time from past to present to future. We went from Isaiah to the Gospels where Jesus' birth was literally happening. Now Paul's talking and he's writing to the church of Acts saying, listen, and he's saying it almost in, in, in future tense when it's already happened. He says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, who's already been sent. Listen, Jesus already came. He already died for your sins. He already died and was already broken for you to be whole. He already died for your disease and your pain and my back issue. He's already died for this. He's already come. He's already justified it, right? And then it says this, whom heaven must receive, all we do is receive. We don't earn, we don't work for, and let me just be really honest with you, we don't deserve, but in his grace, in his mercy, in his kindness, he gave us himself anyway. He gave of himself to the earth to be flesh and to dwell among us. And to, to, to experience what we experience, to feel what we feel, to feel heartbreak, to feel letdown, to feel rejection, to feel pain. Sometimes when I've had the worst pain in my life, I begin to visualize the crucifixion in Jesus. It's something weird to me. Every once in a while, I'll just go to that place. I'm like, man, if Jesus can take that, this is nothing. And that usually just keeps me going, you know? So then it finishes by saying, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. These are things that we're told of. These are things that we were predicting. Matter of fact, the hardship that you're facing was predicted not only in the word, but you're not facing anything Jesus didn't become the example for while he was on earth. When you think of offense and you think of being hurt by somebody, Jesus was offended by the most gruesome way possible. And he was up on the cross, literally. And he says, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing right now. So this past, present, and future, I can just recall of, like, God's radiance and his light. And it draws me to this place in Revelations 4, which obviously you guys know, it's one of my favorite pictures of what heaven looks like. And... It's, it's amazing that for us, we'll get frustrated when a violin gets broken. We're like, man, is she going to come back up? That was beautiful first service. Like all of us like, who knew what you were about to experience knew how amazing it was. And now we're like, oh, man, is that not going to happen? Or, or they're not singing in my key, and that's frustrating because it's not in my key. Like Michael, I think, experienced that a little bit. They're not even in my key. And we can let that be a frustration. Or, man, they've been on this song for 13 minutes. I've, I'm hungry. Don't they know this? But there's this picture of the Bible, and there's this picture of heaven in the Bible, and, and, and John the Beloved gets this open vision from God, and I believe it was a love gift that was given to him. Not to scare. Listen, Revelation was never meant to be a tool to scare the hell out of somebody. It was meant to reveal the love and the majestic and the, the majesty and the goodness and this awe of God. And we get to Revelations 4, and, and John's explaining this picture of the living creatures and the 24 elders. And they sing the same song over and over and over and over for eternity, and they never get sick of singing that same song, probably in the same key. And I believe this. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I believe every time they say holy for eternity, it's this new picture of who Jesus is to them in that moment. Holy. And every time they see God in, in a new way, it's holy. But they never lose the awe and wonder. And before we ever think we can give something to Jesus, we just fall on our face in awe and wonder and, and, and just 
amazement of how good God is. So he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he was sent to this earth to be a gift for each of us. He's the greatest gift of all time for all of humanity and all situations or things. Why don't you stand with me? I don't know about you, but this Christmas and this year and this coming year and for the rest of my life, I don't want to come to the Lord as if what I can do for Him or, or what He needs me for. I might be coming with the gifts and then all of a sudden, His pre very presence and nature transforms my entire being to where I just fall at His face and I just worship Him and then I always leave a different way than I expected to ever come or from what I came from even. Verse 12 says, the wise men went home a different way. I hope today and for the rest of your life, you leave different. You, you, you journey away from your God encounters, your worship time, your Bible time, your fast, whatever it may be, different than when you went into it. Into this life, I'm leaving totally different than when I first encountered the Lord and received salvation. Totally different. I hated everybody. I hated everything. I didn't discriminate. I just hated everything. But man, when I encountered his presence, when I came in to an encounter with the Lord and I was baptized with the Holy, by the Holy Spirit and I, I entered into a relationship with a good, good father, all of a sudden I've never been the same and I've, I'm leaving this earth different than I came into it. Let me, let me finish by saying this verse. This is kind of the heartbeat of, of Upper Room, our worship, our Sundays. It's Psalms 27.4. And it says this, one thing I have asked the Lord. One thing. Now David's writing this probably around the same time he had just been exiled. He's being chased by Saul. He had to totally flee a country with his family to escape being murdered. And this is what he's saying. This one thing. He's not asking for safety. And there's so much turmoil going on in our nation and our world right now. But this is what David's asking for when his world's falling apart. This is what David's yearning for when his family is being chased after and wanting to be murdered by Saul. A king that was supposed to have his back now wants to kill him and take him out. And this is what he's asking the Lord for. This, this is one thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life <laughs> and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This one thing, his presence. This one thing, to never lose sight and to gaze at his beauty. And no matter what I think I'm bringing, I fall face down and just worship him. Jesus is the greatest gift. We get wrapped up to say, well, it should be this, or we should do more Bible studies, or we should do this or that. Listen, how about we just seek this one thing that we desire, to be in the house of the Lord forever, to always be in his presence, and to gaze at his beauty, amen? And to just sit there and rest there because in his presence is the fullness of joy anyway. In his presence, he's going to give us rest. In his presence, he goes with us all the time. I'd love to pray for you. And let me just say this. Again, the greatest gift of all time is Jesus himself who is wrapped in swaddling clothes, put in a manger for you and I to eventually have a salvation plan who is going to go to the cross and be crucified and resurrected so that we could be welcomed back to the Father in eternity. 
I want to offer everybody in this room that chance and everybody who's watching online or, or at home or who will watch in the coming weeks that you will get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and his presence will totally overwhelm you in a good way and his love will overtake you and his spirit will fill you. So if you could just right where you're at, just bow your head and we're just gonna say a simple prayer. You can say it in your own way or you can just say, just pray what I'm praying in your heart or out loud. Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth. Thank you for being gifted to the earth to eventually take on our sin, you who knew no sin. Jesus, I receive you as a gift right now. I receive you as the greatest present of all time right now. I receive forgiveness of sin. I receive forgiveness of my mistakes. And I receive your free gift of salvation right now for the price that you paid on Calvary, for your crucifixion. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Lord, and thank you for your resurrection. Jesus, thank you for resurrecting, and thank you for welcoming me into eternity forever. Thank you for being the greatest gift of all time. And thank you for your presence. Lord, as I just received you and as we ask for forgiveness, whether it's for the first time ever or just a continual thing, repenting and, and turning our heart toward you, Jesus, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your presence, Jesus. Right now, wherever you are, just hold out your hands with your palms up as if you're going to receive a gift that somebody's just gonna place in your hands. Just say, Jesus, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. In your own way, just receive that. In your own way, thank, begin to thank the Lord for His Spirit. Thank the Lord for living and dwelling in you. Thank the Lord for His presence. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're the greatest gift, that you alone are enough, God. We thank you for filling us up. We thank you for the plan of salvation. We thank you for coming to this earth, Lord. And we thank you for eternal life and life more abundantly here on earth. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for joy. We thank you for hope. We thank you for rest and peace, Jesus, wherever we go. Because your presence dwells with us, in us, through us, and among us. In Jesus' name. The way we're going to close today and, um, is the wise men did bring gifts. They did bring something, and, and then they get to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, listen, <laughs> those are great. Thank you. I believe that was his heart. Thank you. Even as, as a child, in, in, in God form, he was probably saying, thank you. But all I want you to do is worship me. All I want you to do is present yourself a living sacrifice to me. I, I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much you've been educated. I don't care how scholarly you are, wise men. I just want your heart. And they began to just fall at the feet of Jesus. And today, I think that's still what the Lord's asking for that wise men sought him out and they found him and i hope today that we too are wise men and women and we're going to find him to just fall at his feet and worship him and be in awe of him yesterday today and forever so in your own way i just want to end service that way but yes he's the gift of salvation he came to this earth for a purpose but now that we have him in our hearts and now that we're living for him, all he wants is us to surrender 
All he wants is us to say, okay, Jesus, it's all yours. So in your own way, just begin to just surrender and be in awe of him. Just, just enter into a worship moment. Lord, we thank you. We have sought you out. You have never turned your back on us and you've been seeking us the entire time. But we receive you now and we just, we surrender, Lord. We surrender our minds to you. We surrender our hearts to you. That you're not looking just for labors. You're looking for laid down lovers. You're looking for the yes. You're looking for the surrender, God. We think we come with an agenda. We think we come with, with things and fancy talents and all these things. But Lord, you're just looking for our surrender. Lord, we thank you. We're in awe of you. We, you're spectacular. Just in your own way, just begin to worship. Just begin to, in your own way, fall at his feet, fall at his face. Jesus, we love you. Sunday or a Christmas seasonal thing. Let our hearts yearn for you. Let our hearts burn for you. Let our hearts desire you. Let our hearts continually seek you out just to fall at your face, just to fall and wonder in awe of you, Jesus. Let us be awestruck. I believe somebody needs to hear this. The Bible says, it says, it's talking about Philip and Stephen, and there's a verse that says, it says, although they were educated men, you could tell they had been with Jesus. And I think it's that same principle. When you meet Jesus, you'll never leave the same. These wise men were scholarly. These wise men were very, very, the highest education you could imagine of the time. And they came with their fancy gifts and they came with probably their fancy rhetoric and following astrology to get to Jesus and, and I'm not downplaying the miraculous in that but what I'm saying is I think they probably came with this idea and then all of a sudden they come into his very nature and they hit the ground he doesn't need our fancy rhetoric he just wants our heart he just wants our yes he just wants us to be in awe of him and it's beautiful and it's amazing he'll do everything else he'll work it out so, God bless you guys. May his face shine on you. May he be so radiant to you that you'll never look at him or anybody else the same. That you will follow the greatest commandment to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. I can't wait for next week. I can't wait for Christmas Eve here, 8 p.m. next week, 10 a.m. But uh, if we don't see you Christmas Eve, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you who are online. We love you all. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Merry Christmas.